I'm Tom Morello, host of Maximum Firepower, a weekly podcast focusing on the music, the moments, and the movements that have shaped my worldview and left an indelible mark on me as an artist and activist. Correct with Maximum Firepower. You and me. This is Tom Morello's Maximum Firepower. I'm Tom Morello, and this is Maximum Firepower. My guest for this episode is Bloody Beetroots, the spectacular Italian DJ and producer who has shepherded the Catastrophus EP and much of my recording during the uh, pandemic time. Hello, Bob. How's it going? Pretty good, man. What an introduction. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're you're actually in Belfast now, is that right? I'm in Belfast, North Ireland. Yeah. Pretty, pretty good, pretty good, man. You are a bit of an international man of mystery, but let's. I'd like to go. This is maybe ten years ago or so. It was when I first came across the Bloody Beat Roots, and a friend of mine played me a CD or something. I just thought that it was such an incredibly interesting mix. The music itself felt very confrontational. And that's when the Bloody Beat Roots first got in my mind. And then cut to in the summer of 2020, uh, when the pandemic began, that's when you and I first got in touch and were making music. I was in the midst of like thinking to myself, what's the next music I'm going to record? And yours is a name that I really wanted to work with. So I sent you just, I was just, it was just kind of like this riff exchange, like this pen pal program where I was sending you riffs and you were sending them back. I sent you an acoustic song as well called Keep Going, which was just me singing, playing acoustic guitar. And you sent back this kind of beautifully like tense track that had this kind of growing tension. It felt like a bowstring being drawn back. And then when it really began in, in earnest, like with putting stuff out, was the song Stand Up. George Floyd was murdered by the police and America was on fire. And there were protests and riots in the streets and the president was hiding in his bunker. And I was like, we have to do something to meet this moment. I mean, you have to do something like right now to meet this moment. And I had that riff. And what my inspiration for like the beginnings of that idea was in my hometown of Libertyville, Illinois, which is about an hour north of Chicago, I was the first person of color to ever reside within the town. But in the summer of 2020, they had a Black Lives Matter rally in Libertyville. It's a town of 20,000 people. There were like a thousand people at the rally. Some friends of mine were there showing me video. And I was like, this is an important moment to sort of speak beyond like there are people paying attention now that have not paid attention before and so i reached out to imagine dragons and said are you up for doing a thing and at the time you and i had a bunch of riffs together and i sent him three and much like with the same sort of not overthink he sent us back he sent back a crazy vocal within 24 hours like he had written the song sent the vocal back in 24 hours and all of a sudden that stand-up anthem was with shia diamond as well the great trans activist soul singer playing on that as well uh, so give me your thoughts about the the song stand up because for me that was the beginning of you know like our real recording career together yeah, it was like urgent, you know, I, I felt the urgency to get out with that truck and not even the urgency to be in a rush to produce that truck. It was ready at the right moment. And we had Dana aboard and Shea just because they were ready to get out that release. Mm-hmm. We didn't rush really anything. We yeah. wanted to get it out as much as possible. And they came, you know, it was aligned with everything we were doing. And I still remember, yeah, that's an iPhone guitar riff. That's an iPhone guitar riff. Is exactly what it is. But here, check this out. So this is my 
iPhone that I am like recording on. It's before I even had this microphone. <laughs> like my friend and engineer and musical consigliere Carl uh, Restivo, he for Christmas he's like, dude, I got it. We got to upgrade you a little bit. But that riff on that and some of the riffs that are on the Catastrophus EP are straight up iPhone riffs without even like the little baby microphone on it, and they sound huge and ferocious. So that's to your credit. So yeah, so that that song came together so quick and was so powerful and it really pointed the way. I was like, okay, now there's nothing that need hold me back and hold us back during this pandemic time. So we've just released an EP of music that we've created together called the Catastrophists EP. And it began with that genesis of us trading riffs across the sea. And so after a while, I was writing songs for the next Atlas Underground record with a lot of different collaborators in a lot of different places. But it felt to me like there was this pool of songs that you and I were doing together that felt like they should stand on their own. It felt like a body of work that was cohesive and was really powerful and was unique. It was different than any other record that I had done before, but it had some of the similar elements of like huge rocking riffs, sort of a poetic political intent, but not too spot on. Anyway, so as we began pulling these songs together, I realized, wow, like this work that we've been doing over the course of these past months has really resulted in like this, a powerful sonic manifesto. So let's take it song by song, because uh, the first song on the EP is called The Devil's Infantry. So this is a song. Yeah, it's a, one of the first ones that we did. And I wrote this song on an acoustic guitar, my son's little small scale acoustic guitar at the beginning of the pandemic. I was thinking, you know, there's that saying, you know, the world will end in fire or it will end in ice. And it really felt in those early days of the pandemic that there's a possibility of the world ending in just this absolute silence. And with this virus that at the time, like no one knew there's more, much more science to it now if it was going to be you know, 99% fatal or, or, or whatever. And I wrote, really quickly wrote the lyrics to The Devil's Infantry with this kind of folk Night Watchman-y style song, sent it to you, and it came back very different. So give me your uh, impressions on that song. Well, I remember we were debating about making this, t- this song a 3-4, and I convinced you to go 4-4. Four, 4-4, four. Four, four. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> like a three days of thinking about, you know, should we That's go right. Three, I wanted to make four. it into a waltz. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I was so happy when I convinced you to go 4-4. Four, four. And actually, the, the first original version had a different outro. And uh, we actually blamed the two yes. songs. Yes. And kind of a thing, because even on, on Mary Celeste, yes. it, it's like a reversion action of what we did with Devil's Infantry. That's right. Yeah. So it became our thing, you know, try to twist yeah, uh, yeah. the entire production from a mood to a completely different mood. Yeah, there's there's a lot of those unexpected twists on the record, and Devil's Infantry is certainly one. The second half, of it, I, had the, I had this line, the, you know, as every tour was being shut down, and, you know, we were 15 days away from the first Rage Against the Machine show in 10 years when the world shut down, and now it, it was unclear when or if there were ever going to be shows again. And so it really occurred to me, like, I was like, there will be no dancing tonight. And just stuck that phrase, had my mom say it into the microphone. So so Mary Morello's on that track. And then so the song shifts from this kind of really like moody, 
build to this just tsunami of a riff at the end. And that's really, I think, the Catastrophus EP has one foot in both those worlds. Uh, Okay, so let's talk about, so Radium Girls is a song that I've been working on for a while, but really only came to fruition when you and I began working on it together. It features a very powerful Mount Rushmore of four punk priestesses from uh, The Last International, Pussy Riot, The Interrupters, and White Lung. The four vocalists of those four groups came together as the Radium Girls. So very briefly, I grew up in a small town in Illinois where on the water bills, the Morellos are from a small town called Marseilles, Illinois. The water bill that you get every month, it would have a percentage of how much radium is in your water that month. And I always looked at that as a kid. I'm like, is that good? Is that okay? Is that on everybody's water bill? We swim in the public pool. Is there radium in that? So it was a real Aaron Brockovich situation where there was a factory that made glow-in-the-dark watches that would use this radium to paint the watches. The young girls who were hired in the factory were encouraged to lick the tips of the paintbrushes to get a finer point so they'd be able to paint the numbers on the dial with greater speed and efficiency. When there was concerns about the health issues, the owners of the company told them that radium was actually good for them and would help make their cheeks rosier. As it turns out, it destroyed their bones and made their bones honeycombed and gave them horrible cancers and the girls basically broke apart from the inside. And their court cases to try to get some compensation for this led to uh, workplace legislation that made it a lot safer in the workplace. Anyway, so it was a story of my this hometown. There's a, there's a statue in Ottawa, Illinois, to these radium girls that was fought tooth and nail by the local business community who did not want to be reminded of this shameful incident in the past. And when the girls were buried, they had to bury them in lead coffins because their bodies exuded so much radiation it would be dangerous to the environment. So this is a story, as you can probably tell, that I'm very, very passionate about telling. It's one of those hidden stories of these quiet heroes you know, who sort of suffered unintentionally for a cause, and I wanted to bring their story to life with four very powerful female vocalists. But it never could have happened without the insane track that you created for it. I mean, the, it has all the Tomorrow elements, like the noises. It has all the best noises for out of your guitar. Yeah. Like, there's pretty much everything in there. And, and you know, it, it took a lot of work because you got to figure out how to blend electronic dance music with your stuff. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's very challenging to create the bottom and make them listen to your guitar as well. Plus, you know, all the vocals, because yes, she a lot of vocals. Of yes, yes, was, yes. And it took a little bit more time, but I'm really happy that the result is, is pretty gigantic. It doesn't have, have like, um, it has a rock and roll kind of thing, but it's it's different. I think yeah. it's different from all the other tracks that I've produced before, because it's just a standalone kind of genre. Yes, I mean, that's the idea. What I've been really searching for, and I've made, you know, 20 records with like a rock band standing in a room playing, and it's fantastic, and I love that, and there's nothing quite like that. But you, you've you really helped me tap into the ability to take the electric guitar in this era to places that sounds like it's not just from the past, but sounds like it's pointing the way to the future. On Radium Girls, certainly. I mean, that was like that initial kind of crazy guitar cut-together riff. It's all made up of, you know, performed Marshall Halfstack electric guitar, but it sounds in a way like almost like a Skrillex dubstep cut, but it's all performed. That's one of my favorite songs on this, and and it did take a tremendous amount of work, but I think it was worth every second. So the next track is uh, Lightning Over Mexico, where we have guest vocalist Anna Tiju, who is a tremendous Chilean 
rapper. But the genesis for the song Lightning Over Mexico, I played a show with Renee and Calle Trece in Mexico City for the 43 disappeared Mexican students. This is some years back where there's 43 students who were protesting the government and they literally vanished off the face of the planet. It is suspected that they were you know, kidnapped and murdered by government agents, but they were never found. So we went there to play a benefit show for the parents of these kids who I got to meet. And the kids are mostly from like indigenous communities. It was a really moving event. And as I was flying in, there was literally like lightning over Mexico. There's a big storm over Mexico. And it's a, you know, it's an homage to kind of the ghosts of those 43 young people who, you know, they haunt the song, but it's their memory sort of haunts all those who fight for social justice. And I will say of all the songs, this is a song that I've kind of had you know, an acoustic version for a long time, but of all the songs on the EP, this song is one that Ray, it went from being like, okay, that's a fine song, and Anna's bars on it are fantastic, but the way the song sounds came up a thousand percent with your production on it. Yeah, it's pretty huge, man. And I'm happy you convinced me to change the second chorus, which was yeah. kind of own. <laughs> yeah, I was like this. I was like, the first chorus came and I was like, oh shit, like, oh my gosh, it's good. And the second chorus came, he's like, I want to try to switch it up. I'm like, don't switch it up. That chorus is just damaging. <laughs> yeah, that was a mistake. I understood it like a couple of hours later. I yeah. to say, okay, yeah, he's right. We gotta yeah. But yeah, it's it's a huge track, man. It's, it's like, still dance but when the rock and roll reef hits it's like oh my god this this is great this is yeah. huge yeah it took a lot of time that to to find out the right equation in between rap and rock and roll and dance because it's like a blend of two genres all together but it came out with an incredible output so yeah it's it's one of my favorite songs on the record and anna tiju is just a she's a fantastic she's on point. Uh, yeah and and she's a great like sort of person and activist i've known her for a while so it's great that this this song is seeing the light of day I'm Tom Morello and this is Maximum Firepower. My guest for this episode is Bloody Beetroots. Okay, next up is Keep Going. This song was originally written, you know, in this studio here as an acoustic as like a night watchman track. It was, you know, it's the ballad of the escaped slave. Then and now, you know, when you hear the dogs keep going. See the torches in the woods, keep going. You want a taste of freedom, keep going. And it was this kind of like chain gang, lead belly chain gang song. It's really one of the first ones that I sent to you. I said, I've been sending this guy like these kind of big badass riffs. What if I send him this? Like, who knows? And you did not disappoint. It fits seamlessly in with the rest of the record. And so tell me what your take was on this when I sent you this. Basically, it's acoustic guitar and me singing. Well, I remember that I've never heard your singing before. Mm. So that was the first track of you actually singing. And I was mm. blown away by your voice. Your voice especially was recorded in that song in a way that it has all, you know, the frequencies that I really want to hear. Yeah. And, and I wanted to make it as minimal as it was. So acoustic guitar and vocals, mm. but with a big bottom to get a groove driving mm. the whole song mm. without craziness, without, you know, because it's all about that groove. Yeah, it's super tense. Like the tension in the song. I mean, it does feel like you're being hunted in that song, which Absolutely. is which is. And I wanted to keep the spiritual level of that song, you know, building a groove. So mm -hmm. my job there was just to find the right flavor and equation to give your performance a journey mm -hmm. that could stand 
out there as an electronic piece of music instead of, you know, an acoustic guitar and vocals. It's a smoldering track. All right, so next up is Weather Strike. Now, Weather Strike is the song that I recorded with Pussy Riot, which came out a while ago. And then, you know, as we were looking at this EP, I said, you know what? Like, that song was originally going to kind of be a standalone punk rock track. I said, well, what if I send that to Bob? Like, that builds a bridge between, you know, that release and this record. And again, I think you did that in... 36 hours or something and it came back and was like oh yeah that'll be fine that'll do nice i sent i sent it to nadia and and she was like that's fantastic and so weather strike is the single before the ep and now it's got your just ferocious remix on here of that tune yeah i personally you know didn't touch that much of that track but i you know of course i decapitated your frequencies Yes. <laughs> I added my bottom yeah. and I rewrote completely the, the verses because I wanted to have that French touch mm-hmm. uh, on the verses, which works perfectly with Adia vocals now. Yes. And yeah, I, I didn't save the solo though, right? Yeah, th- that one's fine. That's fine. We've had a couple times during this process where I was like, um, we need the whole solo. You cut the solo. What are you doing? Cutting the solo? This one, this one, you cut the solo. I was like, totally fine. We already have a version with the solo that's out in the world. Totally fine. Totally fine. <laughs> this one's like the short, sharp, punch to the Thank nose you for version. Letting me do that. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, every once in a while, you got to throw the producer a bone. Throw the producer a bone. Uh, it, it is funny because the, the first time I ever in making the Atlas Underground record, I was dipping my toe into the the world of melding my guitar with electronic music. And I, I, I will not name this producer, but tremendously talented, very, very young uh, guy I sent a track to. And he, and he sent he sent it back, and he there was literally zero guitar left in the song. Like, he took out the guitar <laughs> solo, and I, I don't think he even knew, he'd never even heard any of the bands that I'd been, which is totally, totally fine. I was just like, I like the direction, except for the part where I'm not in the song anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so put some of that back in if you don't mind put some of that back in anyway so weather strike that's a jam so next up is field of tigers now this song had an interesting genesis it was years ago prior i had a, a demo for this song it was a rock band song for me it was a tipping point it was a real crossroads where i was deciding what kind of music i was going to make next in my career i had made a lot of rock and roll records i had made for acoustic records and I was just really trying to figure out what I was going to do and I wrote an album's worth of like these kind of Night Watchman rock songs like these kind of fast records that were not acoustic but had like guitar solos and riffs and stuff like that it just felt like it was somewhere in the middle of stuff I had done and it didn't really feel like it was I was not pushing myself as an artist so those songs kind of sat in the hamper and then when we started working together I began looking back at those and like what if We took the vibe, the lyrics, some of the melodies from this song, Field of Tigers, a song I always loved but didn't seem to fit like the vibe back then, and let you unleash yourself on it. And I got to tell you, it sounds great to me. And we left the guitar solo in. And we left uh, (laughs) an incredible guitar solo at the very end. It's actually really, really fucking good. We had to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the this one's the guitar solo of the record. Like this was one I was just like, and and it keeps going, and it keeps going. Don't cut this one, man. Don't cut this one. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) release the goods. Release the goods. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) So, what was your take on Field of Tigers? Uh, Well, I made a lot of thoughts on that song uh, because it's not drum and bass. It doesn't have a proper, you know, you can't really what genre is, which is pretty much the problem that we have with all, you know, our How can we treat this to make Mm -hmm. it sound proper? So I tried to blend it a couple of drum and bass. We tried, you know, uh, interesting um, thingy there. And I also wanted to break down the tempo as well. 
you know, break it in two because yeah. it was just too much going, you know, double tempo. So I say, what about if we completely flip around the track and, and we make the drops or the choruses, yeah. whatever we want to call them, different? And then the song started to spark. Yeah, it got a lot heavier too. Like when those choruses came in on on the halftime, I was like, "Oh boy, here we go!" Yeah. yeah. So it's a good blend of uh, Reese basses lines with your guitars and incredible solo because it's really an incredible solo. And the way that you did the solo, I thought was particularly effective because it, like, you used some of your abilities in the world of digital and electronic producer thinking rather than going like okay and now the solo starts and it's a fine solo but it really sort of feels like it comes out of a slingshot at the end there you know what i mean it's like the tension like ramps up and then boom and it, i think it heightens the effect of it coming in at the end though there yeah, so yeah i see the solos especially your solo like a, a string arrangement of the song yes so, yeah. so i try not to be forced to put the solo there so that's the reason why we always have many thoughts about should we put the solo should now we put the solo let's try to blend the solo or to yeah. change you know the patterns of the solo and make it like a, a string orchestra and yeah. that's what we did with this song but also with mary celeste right yeah 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 so let's talk about mary celeste the song that finishes the record and i always thought this was going to be the song that would finish the record and it's a uh, mary celeste is a ghost ship one of the themes that has run throughout my work over the course of the last few years is social justice ghost stories and a way of sort of telling as a fractured mirror way of reflecting back our current times through these kind of ghost stories. And Mary Celeste was a ship in the 1800s that was just found adrift off the coast of the Azores in the Atlantic Ocean with like coffee on the table, you know, the newspaper open, fishing rod over here, no crew, no passengers on it. It's just, to this day, it remains like a total mystery what happened to the uh, people on the Mary Celeste. And that, to me, felt like somewhat of an analogy for our times. So so that was sort of the underpinning notion. But this song had elements to it that were different than any song. I Like, the outro of this was so, like, kind of, it had maybe almost like sort of a Pink Floyd vibe or something. Like it was, it challenged me as a guitar player at the end. And we had talked about a lot. We thought maybe we're going to bring in like sort of a string arrangement at the end. I thought, no, this needs to be my David Gilmore moments at the end. And I couldn't get it. I tried again and again. Normally for me, I'm a first take, or, you know, I'll play down a solo one take, then I'll try to beat it and not be able to beat it. Or I'll have a vision for what the solo is going to be and edit together various parts and kind of put them together choo-choo train style. But this one really challenged me. And it wasn't until I started sort of digging back into the music theory that's dusty in the back of my mind to really find the modal way, sort of the non-traditional scales to tap into to find a mindset to play something that would take the ghost ship on its last voyage, you know, as the song ends. So what's your take on this song? Because you did a lot of work on this song. I did a lot of work in the song. I think, you know, as it's a perfect song to end the EP just because it starts with a crazy solo that doesn't make even more sense yeah. and get into a different song and the song yeah. ends differently as well. That's right. That's so right. It's a psychedelic journey, if you want yeah. to call it. So the fact that, you know, you mentioned the ghost that gives journey to the ghost until the very end. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's an incredible song. I remember when I actually, I didn't do much work on that song in terms of, you know, structure it down, but I definitely did a lot of work on searching the right outro. So I was very, that was very challenging for me as well, because I felt that song needed an outro. Yeah. And it needed Tom Morello to express himself as a guitar player 
just to end that EP, but most of all, just to end that song because, you know, mm-hmm. the meaning of the song. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I definitely call Mary Celeste like our psychedelic truck together. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the I grew up on albums, of course. And now in this day and age where people, you know, it's like my kids, they listen to TikTok for like the, the length of songs they listen to is like, sometimes 14 seconds, you know, <laughs> and so, but I still very much look at this piece of work, the Catastrophist EP as a whole, you know, like I spend like Rain Man-like concentration trying to figure out the order that they go in and how one song flows into the next to make an artistic impression on the listener that if you want to listen to one song, you want to listen to the single, you want to listen to Radium Girls, Weather Strike, that's fantastic. Enjoy that. Put it on your you know, the playlist or whatever. But if you want to go deeper, I've, that's what I've always done with the records that I've been involved in is really think deeply about what is the meaning of the art that we're creating here and how does it best translate in every way from every beat to every drop to every guitar solo to the order of the songs on the record. And that's something that you and I have done with great care on this record. And I'm really proud of it. And I can't thank you enough because I was you know, staring down the barrel of like a year year of zero creativity and instead we've you know co-given birth to this catastrophist ep which is one that i'm tremendously proud of and is super fucking rocking huge thanks to you bob and to bloody beetroots incorporated for being on the show and for helping make this record the catastrophist ep check it out it's everywhere in the world now i am tom morello this has been maximum firepower until next time take it easy but take it Let foes of justice tremble. This has been Tom Morello's Maximum Firepower. Hear this episode again or listen to past shows right now on the SiriusXM app. Search Maximum Firepower.